Now, the sermon this morning. I am taking a break from Proverbs for this Sunday. Uh, just allow you some time to breathe a little bit. Proverbs is a lot of a lot of uh, instruction for life. It's it's a lot of here's things you need to change uh, in your life, and sometimes that can feel a little bit like like there's a lot to take in and uh, a lot that we have to process. And so we're gonna allow you a, a week to just kind of breathe. We'll get back to Proverbs next week, and this morning uh, we're going to ask the question: Are you thirsty? John 7, 37 and 38. So let's turn there. And we're going to read together John chapter 7. And don't mind Steve here. He's just doing some video testing stuff. <laughs> we're, we're looking at doing video of the services. So he's running some tests this morning. Uh, so, all right. John 7 and uh, starting at verse 37. This is Jesus uh, in his ministry. In Jerusalem. It says this on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He cried it out. That's why I was crying it out. Okay? Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. That's looking ahead to the day of Pentecost. Okay. So that's our scripture this morning. Now, let me give you a little bit of background as to what's happening here. This is in, he's in Jerusalem. It's near the end of his oh, not near the end of his ministry, but he's in Jerusalem, and it's the uh, the feast of booths or the feast of tabernacles or Sukkot that's that's taking place, and this was a uh, an annual fall uh, celebration of the harvest, and actually the Jewish people just celebrated the feast of tabernacles or the feast of booths a short time ago, uh, a couple weeks ago, and. Uh, and yeah, so this was a, a wonderful time. It's a week-long celebration where people celebrate the harvest and celebrate what God has done for them. And every day as part of this, um, as part of this celebration, there was a water ceremony, a water libation ceremony, where the, the priest, uh, the high priest would go down with a procession to the Pool of Siloam in Jerusalem and would gather up water. And this is, this is the Pool of Siloam here. Uh, we visited this in June uh, in, in Israel. Uh, so they would go down to the Pool of Siloam and they would gather up water into a golden pitcher and, and then lead the procession back to the Temple Mount and then they would pour this water out on, onto the ground, which was a symbol of God's purif purification and all this sort of stuff and His forgiveness. Um, so he's got two golden pitchers. One is for wine and the other one is filled with water from the pool. And then flutes are playing, and there's a choir singing, and it's this really loud, exciting thing. Trumpets are sounding. Um, it's awesome. And uh, the whole ceremony with the parade and the flutes and the singing and the dancing was such a joyful occasion that one of the ancient rabbis wrote this about it. Anyone who has not seen this water ceremony has never seen rejoicing in his life. All right? So... Imagine, you know, a wedding reception or something when everyone's up dancing and celebrating and it's loud and it's, it's, a, it's a party atmosphere, okay, uh, uh, with less drunk people. Um, and, uh, 
Anyway, uh, and this, and this, <laughs> this is uh, this is awesome. Okay, this is worship. This is you know, it's it's a how about a better a better illustration is a Pentecostal church service. Okay, um, and people are fired up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a great time, and it happens every day. And the last day of the festival, the water ceremony was taken up a notch. It was a major celebration. People, you know, would take the day off work or whatever they got to do. It was like a huge, big deal. The last day was the biggest day that they did this water ceremony, and it was awesome. All right? Now, it's in this context. So it says, it says in John 7, we read there, it says that uh, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. So it was the last day. It was this water ceremony was taking place on the last day to the extreme. And in this context, Jesus stands up amidst all the noise and the pomp and the celebration. And he says, hey, everyone, can I have your attention? And the choir stops. You know, you imagine like a record scratch. The choir stops. The music stops. People start looking. Who's speaking? Who's speaking? The priest is looking around. The musicians stop playing. And then Jesus stands up from amongst the crowd. And he walks out in the silence of the Temple Mount. Jesus has their attention. And this whole thing is all about the water, you know. The water from the pool and pouring it out and God's forgiveness and all these things. And Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Hmm. Now, what is this guy saying? What is Jesus saying? He had seized a unique chance where people were thinking about water to tell them that he could quench their spiritual thirst if only they would come to him and partake of what he was offering. Not the religion that they had, but something greater than that. And some people got it. His followers, they became his followers and so on. But many people didn't get it. Many people didn't understand what Jesus was offering. How about you? Do you get it? Do you understand what Jesus was saying when he said, if anyone thirsts, come to me and let him drink? Well, let's look at this more closely. So the first thing Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, thirsts, if anyone thirsts, he says this knowing that everyone has a spiritual thirst. Everyone is thirsty for something more. When God created the human race, we were designed for relationship with God. It was part of our, our very design, very, very, part of the very fact that we are made in God's image. And, and the fact that God, in his, in, as the triune God of love, is, He created us to, in part to enjoy fellowship with the Trinity, to, to, to have fellowship with Him and friendship with Him and to experience His love. And all these things. This is part of what it means to be human, is that God made us for relationship with Him. That's what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. But then sin entered the world, and sin messed up God's original design. That's what sin does. Sin messes things up. The way God, God has, this is, this is the ideal, this is the way I want it to be, and then sin gets into the picture and it messes up God's will. Sin puts a barrier between us and God. And as long as we remain in our sin, apart from Christ, we can't have a full relationship with God, 
He's too holy, as we've sung this morning. He's so holy. Uh, and sin is too awful. And there's a barrier because of sin. But despite all of this, it's still in our design as human beings to worship Him and to be in relationship with Him. So we essentially have inside all of us a spiritual hole where God belongs. You've heard that probably referred to as the God-shaped hole. It's an empty stomach that groans for Jesus Christ. It's a desire for fulfillment and joy that can only be found in God through Christ. King David recognized it. Psalm 63, he wrote this, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. And he said, My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. My soul thirsts for you. I don't know if your world feels dry and weary some of the time. Mine sure does. Mine sure does. What so many of us fail to understand is that what we're thirsty for is actually Jesus. So Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, knowing everyone is, everyone has a spiritual thirst. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Come to me. Jesus knows the solution to the broken relationship between man and God is himself. So he provides the solution. If you're thirsty, which I know you are, come to me. I am able to quench your thirst. Unfortunately, unfortunately, in this world we live in, so many people who are thirsty for God don't even realize that they're thirsty for God. They know that there's something missing. And so they go to all sorts of other things, other places for water instead of to Jesus. In Jeremiah chapter 2, back in the Old Testament, God gets angry with the Israelites because instead of serving God, they served idols. And listen to how God phrases it. He says, My people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And he says, evil number two, they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now let me kind of break this down a little bit. In ancient Israel, there were three ways that you could get drinking water. Right? You could get spring water, or well water, or cistern water. So the spring water, this is you know fresh running water, living water from a spring or a stream. When we were in Israel, we visited, and just hold on before you go to the next slide. When we went to Israel, we visited um, uh, the Dan Spring, which is up in the northern part of Israel. And it was this, uh, to me, this was one of the highlights of the whole trip, seeing this place. There was all kinds of stuff there that was really remarkable. But at the Dan Spring, this is one of three springs that uh, form the Jordan River. There's three springs in the very close proximity to each other that are all, like these, this water just comes out of the rocks. It's ultimately from sourced in a mountain. Um, and these three springs come together and form the Jordan River. Um, but, I, you know, when I think spring, spring water, you know, I've, I've had some experience with springs, as I'm sure you have. 
you know, you usually picture like a little trickle of water coming out of the ground, right, bubbling up, or a little pool that's... But these springs in northern Israel that form the Jordan River, these are not little springs. These are gushing, like huge, huge springs. So I just, I'll show you a little video clip that I took. This is the Dan Spring. Yeah. Yeah, it just comes right out of the, right of the ground from under your feet. Yeah. It's a sound on there too, you can, yeah. So, this is the Dan Spring in northern Israel. So whenever you, you read in the Bible about, you know, uh, water springing up, uh, or, you know, or, or God says, I'm a fountain of living water, or, or these sorts of terminology that you hear in the Bible, picture these huge gushing springs uh, of, the, of the most pure, cleanest water. Don't picture a little trickle, because <laughs> this, this is what the people of Israel were imagining when they talk about springs. Um, and the water from, uh, from a spring like this is so pure and so clean and so fresh. Um, the best water I ever drank, I was backwoods camping at Kejimakujik National Park doing a, doing a canoe, a three-day canoe thing, and, uh, and there's a spring there and one place you can get water, and it's just, I've never tasted water so good. It was just like incredible, the spring water. It's the best. Okay, so there's spring water, and then you've got well water. Okay, well water is also not too bad. Um, this is the second best water source in ancient Israel. In Israel, we also visited a well uh, of great significance. This is Jacob's well in Samaria, and this is the very well where Jesus uh, met the woman at the well, John chapter 4, and, uh, and uh, it's still a functioning well, and you can, you can get the bucket and, and drink water from the well, and so we were doing that too. Um, and it was good water, good water. Uh, clean and drinkable, but not as fresh as the spring water. And then there's cistern water. So this is often rainwater that collects, or runoff water that collects, or it's water from a good source that has been carried up into an inner city or something um, inside the city walls and deposited into a cistern to, uh, to have for later use. So this is a cistern uh, from Masada. Masada is in the desert, and it's way, way high up on a plateau in the desert, and of course there's no water up there, so they have to get water from a local source, and the people would bring it into the city and, uh, and, and collect it into this ancient cistern. Um, cistern water is often unclean, right? There's silt, but then there's, uh, there's uh, you know, sometimes disease and things. It's often a breeding ground for mosquitoes and all these sorts of things. So cistern water is not the best choice, but sometimes that's all they, they could have. Now, that in mind, Jeremiah 2.13, let me read that again. It says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Think about that Dan gushing Dan spring. And hewed out, instead, instead of coming to me, they've gone to these false gods. They've turned to these other things to try to fill their spiritual longing. And he describes that as hewing out cisterns for themselves. Uh, but not just cisterns, broken cisterns, leaky cisterns, cisterns that don't really work. So yeah, they're full of nasty water and sometimes they just leak right out and there's even nothing left at all. 
in these cisterns. And it's just a totally empty source. And so all too often as Christians, whether we're Christians or not, uh, we are drinking dirty water from broken cisterns to try and satisfy our deep desire for God, for this relationship with God that He designed us to have. And, you know, the broken cisterns, the cistern water, some, you know, that, that could be any number of things that we idolize, that we worship instead of Lord, the Lord, things that, that capture our, our hearts and our attention that are not good for us. Drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, uh, the desire for riches and greed, uh, the desire for status and power and popularity and ambition, these sorts of things, whatever. Things that, that we pursue that are not good for us, uh, that we, we're longing for satisfaction from these things, and yet they don't, they don't satisfy. We still thirst uh, because this is broken cistern water. It leaves us thirsty and it might just make us a little bit sick too. And so then... If we're not going to those things, maybe we're going to well water. We're going to things that are good. You know, these things, are, they're, still, they're not bad things. You know, this could be, you know, uh, religion. Uh, this could be uh, family. This could be worldly happiness, success in terms of our work, positive self-esteem, healthy living, exercise, world travel, a cause that we really believe in, saving the planet having a great group of friends. These are good things. Not bad things. Good things. Healthy things. Wonderful. Fine. Great. But they still don't satisfy. They still leave us thirsty for something more. Because our need is spiritual. It's not just emotional. It's not just physical. It's not just psychological. Our need is deeper than that. Our need is for, the, for God Himself. So Jesus says... If anyone is thirsty, let him exercise. No. <laughs> if anyone is thirsty, let him go to yoga. No. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. We need him. We need Jesus to satisfy our need. There's nothing else that will do it. We've got to go to the fountain of living water, Jesus Christ himself. What did Jesus say to that lady at the well that day? John chapter 4. He said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Come to Jesus, not some other water source. Jesus is a gushing spring of living water that never runs dry. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's something to get excited about. He makes Himself available to us. A never-ending supply of the greatest source of living water and hope and eternal life and all the things that we need. And it's Jesus Himself. And He says, come, come to me and drink. As believers, after we've come to Jesus and He's restored us unto God, we need to keep drinking of this water. We can't stop drinking what He's offering us. Because we still have the ability, even after the God-shaped hole has been filled in our heart with Christ, even after we have a relationship with God through Jesus and our sins are forgiven, we still have the ability 
to turn back to those other water sources, the broken cisterns, and to default to the wells. We've got to keep drinking of Him all the time, every day. We must take into our lives the things of God, drinking from His Word, drinking of the Holy Spirit, allowing Him full reign in our lives. And we've got to be filled up every single day. When Jesus says that the person who does this, the person who fills up on Him and fills up on the Holy Spirit, says, out of His heart, Jesus says as He stands in this room, out of His heart will flow Rivers of living water. Wow. Okay. So we get to be a vessel for this water. As the Holy Spirit and as God and Christ, the Trinity, the triune God, comes into us and we drink of Him and we fill up on Him, we get to overflow that into the lives of others. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Once we're filled, we can overflow the Spirit to others. Imagine an empty glass of water, you know. And sometimes we go through life empty, on empty, right? Like we're running on empty. You ever been there before? I certainly have, right? Where we just feel so dry and so worn out and so empty and so thirsty. And yet we're trying to serve others. We're trying to help people. And we're trying to do all the normal things that we're supposed to do the run of a, of a day and, and go to school and all the things, whatever. But we're empty. That's not going to work, folks. we got to get filled up. So then you imagine filling up that water. You go to the next slide there, picture of this cup. You know, we need to be filled up right to the top. And when we do that, and we overflow. And then, and then we got to fill up ourselves before we can really... Uh, we can bless others and minister to others. So God wants us to minister not from our emptiness, but to minister from our excess. When I was uh, growing up, we used to do a lot of Southern gospel music, as I've said before, and we used to sing this song, I'm drinking from my saucer. You ever heard that one? Yeah. I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed. (laughs) Yeah. And that's... That's, uh, that's what it should be for all of us. So I want to encourage you to fill up with Jesus Christ. When you have a chance to worship, like we have had this morning, make the most of that opportunity. Engage yourself completely, heart and mind. When you hear preaching, let it sink in. Examine your heart. Set aside time every day to pray and to read your Bible, maybe to journal, uh, to meditate on the Word of God to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. Have people into your home and share meals and talk about Jesus. Find a devotional book or something. Listen to Christian music. Uh, Download sermon podcasts or audio books. That's what I like to do. I do that all the time. Listen to always always listen to other preachers and, and audio books and things as I do chores and things around the house. Whatever you can do to fill yourself up with Jesus Christ, do it. Whatever it takes for you, and you know you, you know what you need to refill. Maybe it's to go for a walk and just get away and just pray or something. I don't know. But whatever you need to do, carve out that time to do it. It's so important that you take that time to refill with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never come to Him in the first place. 
Maybe you, you've never accepted him as your savior. And you've gone to the broken cisterns and you've gone to other things that you have, wells and things that you have tried that to, re, to meet this need in your heart uh, and none of them have done it. And you need to take the first step of saying, Jesus, I want to I I try you for a change. And you want to invite him into your life. I encourage you to do that even this day. That's where you've got to start. I love, I read it this morning, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, you go to Costco. Anybody ever go to Costco? Any Costco shoppers, right? One of the great things about Costco is they got all those free samples of stuff, right? So you can go around Costco and eat all these little free samples and taste and see if it's good, right, before you want to buy it. And uh, you go around two or three times, you don't even have to stop for the $1 hot dog at the end. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, taste and see, right? Just, 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 just. Just give him a try. Just try, try Jesus for a change. And guess what? You're going to find out, man, he's good. <laughs> he's so good. He's so good. So stop going to the cisterns. Stop counting on the well water. Fill up on the water of life. Go to the source. Jesus Christ. He alone can satisfy our thirst. Come to Him. Drink up. Fill up. And spill over into our dry and weary land. Amen. 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 God is good. Let's pray. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so so pants my soul for You, O Lord. My soul thirsts for God for the living God.